Welcome to First Fleet 10-4. I want to welcome everybody again to another episode of our podcast, First Fleet 10-4. We're coming back on schedule and we're getting and having a good time with these. And um, our goal is to get as much information and uh, entertainment out to everybody that uh, wants to listen to these as much as possible. So uh, we're covering different topics these days. And uh, this is a very important one we're getting to today. And Today, we've got with us uh, Miss Debbie Houston. Debbie and I have worked together for 26 years. Uh, we both spent a lot of time in these offices. And Debbie, if you'd like to introduce yourself to everybody, I would, we would love to hear that. Um, I'm Deborah Houston, Debbie Houston, some variation on the theme, as my mom would say, arose by any other name. I'm the director of risk management for First Fleet. And as Mark said, I've been here for 26 years. Actually, August 22nd, 1994 was the day that I had the good fortune to come to work for First Fleet. And it's uh, been never a dull day since then. And what I do in risk management is I head up the risk management, which is all of our insurance, the commercial insurance, which covers our trucks, our employees, as far as injuries, cargo claims, those kind of things. That's what risk management is. I can see with, with what you've done and I, from over the years of working with you, you know, I can see you putting on different hats for what those different areas might be, uh, and that is required. Obviously, um, when you and I both started here, this is a much smaller company, and uh, we've seen a lot of growth. And our, our number of states that we've we've involved in have grown, so that requires a lot of knowledge based of what's required across the country. You didn't start with First Fleet without any knowledge. You started with First Fleet with knowledge that you brought with you from your prior experience. You want to tell us a little bit about that that kind of brought you here? I came to First Fleet. Um, I had been a workers' comp claims adjuster, worked for a company called ITT Hartford. And what I did was handle Tennessee workers' comp claims. And First Fleet was looking for someone to get their program in shape. It was a much smaller program, as you said, when, when you and I started within a month or two of one another. We had 200 trucks. 250 employees and five physical locations. Sadly, though, we'd had about three years of claims, which was only about 58 losses, but it was valued at $3.32 million. Our boss, David Beanie, identified that there was a problem, not so much with us and how we were doing our job, but in the insurance company that was managing our claims. And at that time, our claims... At some point, I'm sure we'll talk about money, but just like you have deductibles for your car insurance, your health insurance, in the world of, of trucking insurance, you've got deductibles on claims. And each of those 58 losses was subject to a $25,000 per claim deductible. And it just wasn't being handled well, wasn't being managed well. Over the years, as we grew, we expanded that to where we are now, and we have a million dollar per claim. I always want to do the Austin Powers finger at the corner of my mouth when I say that, but a million dollar deductible. And when I, when I talk about that deductible, that's your money, Mark, my money, every man and woman that drives our trucks. That's their money that's paying for those claims. Big dollars. Very and, big dollars. Uh, and, and, and of course, in the risk management, the role is, is... To manage those dollars. How do we manage those dollars and how do we keep it underneath that threshold? I mean, the goal is, is that not every claim hits that dollar. We want to make sure that no claim gets to that level. Well, exactly. And it's, it's not so much about what those claims are costing 
us as a company, it's what it costs the employee. Yes. Uh, the driver, the mechanic, all of us are subject to the workers' comp. But when you look at a, at a work comp claim, it's going to be broken down into paying for medical, paying for, for lost time, those kind of things. But ultimately, the, the bottom line is the time and enjoyment of life and all those things that a claim costs the injured worker. You know, the average claim that we're looking at may have 30 days away from work. Imagine you have the same car payment every month. You have the same house payment every month, but you've lost 30 days of time from work. And while workers' compensation is intended to make you whole, there's no way it can. Because on your best day, you're going to get 66 and two-thirds percent of your average weekly wage before you got hurt every week. Can you imagine? Again, your house payment, your car payment, your kids' braces, all those things, your benefit deductions, all of those things are X. But now you're making 66 and two-thirds percent because of one slip, trip, fall, whatever, which is a good topic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's, that's one thing we want to get into is kind of, first of all, how does a, a claim impact our employees? And then second of all, our goal is what can we do in risk management to educate and to get the message across? How do we, how do we keep from getting to that point? Okay. So let's, let's kind of talk about exactly when we have an injury. What are those areas that it doesn't impact employee? Obviously, it impacts an employee um, on the wage base. You know, it, it hits the pocketbook because, like you said, the cost of living did not change when we had an accident and we're not able to report to work. Um, and our goal is, is to, to keep everybody working 100% for their own benefit. Well, if I could, I want to kind of discuss where we are year-to-date as far as what kind of lost time do we have and how many injuries have we had. Yeah, that's a good idea. Year-to-date, we've had 224 losses, and that's company-wide, all 110-plus locations. 88 of those losses were ones that are defined as something called recordable, which the easiest way to think about that is days away, restricted duty, or some sort of medical that was more than you needed a Band-Aid. It was serious. Yeah, treatment. Right. So 88 of those 224 losses fell into that category. And as far as time away from the job, of those total 224 losses, 1,772 days of lost time were accounted for those claims, which if you think about it in the simplest terms, that's 4.85 years of days completely away from work, you know? And when you look at, I think one of the things we were going to talk about today is what's our number one injury type that we've had. Right. Slips, trips, and falls is the number one injury type of those, of those losses. 63 of those 224 losses were slips, trips, and falls. That's like getting out of your truck, not using three points of contact, and you miss that bottom step and fall. Falling out of the back of the trailer, falling in the trailer at a, at a customer location, walking across the parking lot, falling in a hole. Of those 63 losses, nine of those 63 slips, trips, or falls that we had have accounted for 277 days away from work, which that's an average of over 30 days away from work on each claim. Can you imagine? So Again, that, many, that many days of lost earnings. That many days of lost employee. earnings. You know, and even if you get your, your workers' comp, again, 66 and two-thirds percent doesn't meet the car payment, the house payment, all those things. Because it puts you in a bind, puts you in a big bind. 
The other part of, of recordable injuries are restricted duty. And I'm sure all of you have seen one of your coworkers in the office working, maybe in the shop, you know, in the inspection bay. We try to, you know, drivers have a unique skill set and they understand hours of service. They understand uh, they can work in breakdown and help take calls because they understand, you know, what is a pigtail? What's a dolly leg? You know, what, what are all those things? So they can help. But even on restricted duty, you're going to suffer a wage loss because, again, you're getting a check, but it's not going to equal what you made. The benefit of light duty for the driver, the mechanic, whoever, is that they will still have a paycheck coming in from First Fleet, but it's only going to be about ten fifty an hour or whatever the prevailing. If there, if you live in a state where the the uh, minimum wage is greater that, and you'll get this other supplemental check, but still you're still going to only be at like maybe three quarters of your earnings. That just doesn't cut it, and. On the restricted duty of the 63 slip tripper falls that we've had, 16 of those had restricted duty that we've already had 508 days of restricted duty. That's 1.4 years of restricted duty. And again, that's an average of a month per claim. Again, a month where you're working at three quarters of your earnings because of that slip up, that accident per se. And, you know, if we can avoid it, we should, because your family needs you. And, and that's the other thing, you know, days of lost time, it doesn't only affect you when you're at work. It doesn't only affect your paycheck. You can't run and play with the kids in the yard. You know, you can't lift your new baby up. You can't do lots of things. And if it's really bad, that could go on and on and on, and you might never get back to how you were. And and, and that's what I, I want our goal to be today is to how do we keep that from from occurring? How do we how do we approach our day in a way that we want to operate 100% of whatever role we have to do? Well, when I look at those slips, trips, or falls, those fall into a couple different types. I mentioned three points of contact. Something as simple as stepping up into the truck. You know, whether you're in a day cab or a sleeper cab, it's about a two-step up. But when you approach that, number one, hopefully your shoes are tied and you... You're paying attention to what you're doing. You, you don't have a bunch of stuff in your hands. You take a hold of the truck, the, the grab rail, the door. You step up one foot, two hands, two feet, one hand. But three points of you are always in contact with that truck. I can't tell you the number of times that we've seen people trying to juggle all their gear that they want to put in the truck and climb into the truck at the same time. Perhaps if they had walked around to the passenger side, opened the door, set their cooler up into the floorboard, anything like that that they can do, then walk back around to the truck and climb up into it. Don't hurry. When you're coming back out of the truck, again, it's just a reverse process. You slide your rear end to the side of the seat, turn and put your best asset back at the world. And use those three points of contact and come down safely. Yeah, and I thought about that the other day. I was like, okay, now why would we do that? Why would we approach? Because whenever we get out of a vehicle, whenever we get out of a regular vehicle where you don't have to climb down and make that extra step, you get out, you put your feet out first, and you face outward usually when you're getting out of a normal vehicle. But 
when you're coming out of here, you have, it's like coming down a ladder. It's like the way I like the way I approach it. If I'm coming down a ladder, I'm not going to come down a ladder facing outward. I'm going to come down a ladder basically the same right. way I went up it. Uh, and you also made a really good point the other day that I really wanted to highlight. You know, if you, if you took our bodies and you kind of split them in half, you know, mentally, you've got your lower part and your upper part. And you've got your hands grabbing hold. But if you if you said which part of the body is stronger, my lower part of my body is stronger. So I want to make sure that I am stepping up and pressing up with my legs. I'm not pulling myself up because exactly. sometimes our, our upper body and, and pull-ups are not easy. So you just think of trying to pull yourself up into a truck by holding those handrails. It's not going to be your strongest suit. So I, 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 I thought that was a great comment. It's made me mentally think about that in, in many ways as far as where am I using my greatest strength? And when we're getting into a truck, if our lower body is stronger, that needs to be what being propels us upward. Exactly. It's like I, I, when we have an injury and we're we are looking at the job description of what a driver does, I can't tell you the number of people think that you're pulling up. And it's like, this isn't like scaling the rope in gym class. <laughs> this is using your legs. Step up, step up, slide in, sit down. Reverse the process. And you know, as you said, that's a bigger muscle, it's a stronger muscle, but your hands are there to make sure if your foot slips off, you can catch yourself with your hands. But if you're close and you've got a hold of it, you're going to be able to catch yourself. And don't be a, in a hurry. I've actually seen people almost jog up the stairs and it's like, you need to take your time. There's no way you can maintain that contact, you know, and there's no reason to hurry. Work smart, not hard. You know, don't take that, cut that corner because it, it could be tragic. Yeah, and, and I think goes that goes with all these other types of slip trips and falls. I know we'll cover that in a, in a minute as far as the other areas where we have slip trips and falls. But you know, when whenever we have our award ceremonies for a one, two, three, and even four million mile drivers, the number one thing they say is when they say, "What's kept you this successful on the road to have three, four million miles safely on the road?" It's be patient and take your time. Exactly. And, you know, one of our other types of, of slip, trip, or fall is on the yard, on the lot. And, you know, a lot of times that's in the process of the pre-trip. It may be dark. It's oh dark hundred when you get there. And, you're, you know, most drivers will tell you this, you know, they're not working banker's hours. And it's dark. You get there, you need to arrive prepared for the job, dressed for it, the right footwear for, you know, some of these yards that we're on are a mess. So they're uneven, they have potholes, they have puddles, they, they have things you can't see. So you need more than just your eyes. You need good, good footwear, number one, shoes tied. And don't we have PPEs? And we have PPEs. So when it gets to be wintertime, do you have your traction aids? Wearing a traction aid can make all the difference on whether you stay upright or fall on the ground. But you don't think about your phone as a PPE, but your phone is a PPE because it has a flashlight. So you get there at O-Dark 100. Now, I say that when I talk about your cell phone, many of our customers do not want to see cell phone in hand because you're looking at your cell phone, you're inattentive, you're in an area of high truck traffic, pallet jacks, forklifts, whatnot. You can't be paying attention. We actually did have a driver walking out of a terminal, looking at his phone, Tripped over a curbing, same curbing he had passed going in. Bam, <laughs> down he went. We had a head injury from that. But pull that flashlight out. If you've got a regular flashlight, we've given them away a few times in, in Driver Appreciation Week, although it's been a while. Maybe that was 15 or 20 years back. But 
Some of you carry them and use them as tire thumpers. You know, get your flashlight or that cell phone. Most of them have bright as day lights. You may think you know the terrain, but you really don't because it changes from day to day and it changes with the weather. So make sure and arm yourself with a flashlight or your phone and let's not be walking around in the dark bumping into things. I agree. Debbie, I appreciate all these details. And um, and I know that our listeners and those around the country, and I know I've been to many safety meetings and, you know, a lot of this is covered, you know, and this, we may not even have our fall safety meeting. So as much training, as much education as we can get out there, whether it's a podcast or whether it's through training on the, the computers, this has been very good information. And again, take our time and make sure that we're doing what we need to be doing. Before we close this part of the episode, I want our listeners to to know and a one, two, three take-home points that they can say, okay, oh, this is what I need to know. This is what I need to be mindful of in order to make my day the best it can be and prevent whatever injury, whatever might occur ahead of me. Is there something or are there some couple things that you want our listeners to know and understand, hey, this is what I want you to take with you today? Well, I think first and foremost, arriving for work well-rested, well-fed, ready to do your job dressed appropriately, the right footwear. That's the first part, being ready for your day. Not thinking about anything else, but being ready for your day. And have a habit. This is the way I do it. You know, I arrive, I put my things in the truck, I do my walk around, I'm mindful of the ground, I'm careful. I think about how I approach If I have to, you know, if I'm dollying down, if I'm doing whatever, am I aligned appropriately? Am I, am I setting up for it? You know, when you, if you play sports and whatnot, usually stretch, you get ready before you go out and hit it full tilt. So work into it slow. But again, the things like getting in and out of the truck, it's, it's simple. It's an ABC, three points of contact, proper footwear, proper clothing, for the day? Do I have my safety vest on? You mentioned PPEs. Am I visible to the world around me? So the things that you could do. So do I have my PPEs, whether they're my traction aid, whether they're my reflective vest, whether they're my ear protection, whether they're my my eye protection? Do I have the tools that I need to approach the job? And am I Am I mindful of my personal safety while I'm doing it and everybody else is around? If you're walking around on a yard and there is, did you make eye contact with whoever it is that's driving? Do they see you? You know, just like when you're turning out and you you get eye, eye contact from another motorist. So being mindful of who you are and where you are and how you are and making sure that the other parties are aware of you too, that can, that can help avoid it. I agree that habits go a long way. Nothing wrong with being a creature of habit because that's what kind of sets yourself going forward of how do I need to approach every single day. And and, and in many ways, I'm a creature of habit in many different ways. And sometimes it may create very kind of a boring person for me. But my goal is to set myself up to make sure that each day that I can do what I need to be doing by preparing ahead of time. Debbie, I appreciate you being here today, and we'll do more of these um, because I think injury prevention and making sure that we ourselves can operate and and handle our days at the best of our abilities to make sure that we are servicing ourselves and servicing our company and our customer at the end of the day, you know, job well done. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we, we continue these, these conversations, and I appreciate this. Again, slips, trips, and falls are kind of been – 
occurrences that have have hit us hard the last year. And, 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 and I think that's something around the industry and it's something we want to make sure that as being a leader in the industry that we're, we're staying on top of and our employees are as well. I want to end on two different things today and I want our listeners to know, we know about you and First Fleet and your history and, and kind of what you do and you've got your hat on, but I want our listeners to, to know if you take that risk management hat off, who is Debbie Houston? What do you like to do? Well, first I'll tell you who I am, who, who Debbie Houston is. Debbie Houston is the daughter of J.D. Dooling. And my daddy was a truck driver. I have everything I have, thanks to my dad and my mom. And I I think it's ironic that I grew up, came to work in the world of trucking, when trucking is what fed me, what clothed me, you know, what nurtured me. And my father was a very good driver. He was a very good dad. He was a, his handle, for those of you on your CVs, was apple cider because my dad didn't drink. But anyway, I think it's my honor and pleasure to take care of the men and women that drive the trucks, just like my daddy. So that's who I am. That's what built me. Amen. But, and you've spoken of your 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 mom and dad yeah. many many times to me. And and yes, I know that it is a very close topic for you. And uh, it, it it does drive it does bring emotion for you. So it does. Uh, I, I think that's very important. That's awesome. But I get up and come to work every day because I have five beautiful grandchildren that most of my time and my discretionary income <laughs> goes to. But um, they call me Dee Dee, and they also call me their mermaid. Because we spend a lot of time, I'm an avid swimmer, and we spend a lot of time in the water together. And that's what kind of makes me tick, is those five beautiful faces. And they give me a, a, a desire to live long, to be healthy, to make my habits good so that I have more days and more time. Um, but also to be, three of those five are girls. <laughs> so sorry, guys. But to be a witness to all five of them as to what hard work looks like. And and Mrs. Wilson told me when I joined First Fleet, work hard and you'll be rewarded. And I did and I have been. I've been blessed. But for those children to see this is what work looks like, this is what responsibility looks like, and that at the end of the day, it's not about yourself. It's about taking care of the people around you. And it's my absolute honor and pleasure to try to take care of the men and women of First Fleet so that they live strong, work hard, work smart, and and keep those trucks rolling and, and enjoy their own lives and the things that make them tick. That's right. And we, you know, hire to retire. I want to make sure that everybody has a, uh, an enjoyable time here, works hard, and um, and has the ability, opportunity in the future to retire from First Fleet. Absolutely. We appreciate that, and we appreciate you, Debbie, and thank you for sharing that, and thank you again. And we always want to remind our listeners, if you have a question in regards to either this podcast episode or something else, we want you to hit the Ask button on our podcast uh, link on the mobile app and uh, bring in a question. You know, if you have a question in this regard, in regards to injury prevention, let us know, and uh, we'll be glad to uh, address it on a future episode. But uh, thank you again for listening to us. And uh, Debbie, thank you for your time. My pleasure. And until next time, everybody take care and stay safe. Mm